Father, we come to you today with open hearts, open minds, open to what you have to say to us today. May the words be yours. May you deliver those words through your servant this morning. Not my words, but yours. I pray in your name. So, we have a fairly lengthy <clears throat> scripture to go through today. It's in your bulletin. Susan, I didn't know you were going to reprint this whole thing. Thank you for doing that. That was, um, that was quite a lot. If you have your Bibles or your cell phone, turn to Esther chapter 4. We'll begin at verse 4. It'll be on the screen. When Esther's eunuchs and female attendants came and told her about Mordecai, she was in great distress. She sent clothes for him to put on instead of his sackcloth, but he would not accept them. Then Esther summoned Hatak, one of the king's eunuchs assigned to attend to her, and ordered him to find out what was troubling Mordecai and why. So Hatak went to Mordecai in the open square of the city in front of the king's gate. Mordecai told him everything that had happened to him, including the exact amount of money Haman had promised to pay into the royal treasury for the destruction of the Jews. He also gave him a copy of the text of the edict for their annihilation, which had been published in Susa, to show Esther and explain to her. And he told him to instruct her to go to the king's presence and beg for mercy and plead with him for her people. Hatak went back and reported to Esther what Mordecai had said. And she, then she instructed him to say to Mordecai, All of the king's officials and all the people of the royal provinces know that for any man or woman who approaches the king in the inner court without being summoned, the king has but one law, that they be put to death, unless the king extends the golden scepter to them and spares their lives. But thirty days have passed since I was last called to go to the king. When Esther's words were reported to Mordecai, he sent back this answer. Do not think that because you are in the king's house, you alone of all the Jews will escape. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. You and your father's family will perish, and who knows, but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. We're going to move over to Esther chapter 7, verses 1 through 6. So the king and Haman went to Queen Esther's banquet, and as they were drinking wine on the second day, the king again asked, Queen Esther, what is your petition? It will be given you. And what is your request? Even up to half the kingdom, it will be granted. Then Queen Esther answered, If I have found favor with you, your majesty, and if it pleases you, grant me my life. This is my petition. And spare my people. This is my request. For I and my people have been sold to be destroyed, killed, and annihilated. If we had merely been sold as male and female slaves, I would have kept quiet, because no such distress would justify disturbing the king. King Xerxes asked Queen Esther, Who is he? Where is he, the man who has dared to do such a thing? Esther said, An adversary, an enemy, this vile Haman. And Haman was terrified before the king and queen. Dropping down to verse 9. Then Harbona, one of the eunuchs attending the king, said, A fool 
reaching fifty cubits, stands by Haman's house. He had it set up for Mordecai, who spoke up to help him. The king said, Impale him on it. So they impaled Haman on the pole, and had set up for Mordecai, and the king's fury subsided. This is the word of God for the people of God. <laughs> Thanks be to God. It's an odd word. Uh, the story of Esther takes place in Israel's post-exilic period. And you may recall that in 586 B.C., King Nebuchadnezzar came, conquered Jerusalem, destroyed the city walls, burned the temple, plundered all of the riches that existed there, and took the people back into captivity into Babylon. Later, Babylon is conquered by the Persians, Cyrus the Persian. <coughs> And Cyrus allows many of the Jews to return back to Judea under the leadership of Ezra and Nehemiah to rebuild the city walls and rebuild the temple. But not everyone returned. Some had had uh, created lives for themselves in exile. They had uh, built homes, they had families, they had businesses. And so a lot of them stayed behind, content to stay in a foreign country, but trying to maintain a particular way of life in a foreign land. And this is where we find ourselves today, the capital city of Persia, uh, the city of Susa. Cyrus has passed away. We're a couple of kings down the line now, and our story today involves King Xerxes. His predecessors have done all the hard work of conquering the neighboring lands, setting up the administration, uh, getting everything that you need to run an empire, and Xerxes is now king of an empire that goes from northern Africa and even down into uh, below Egypt and the northern Sudan, up through Turkey, all the way across what is today Afghanistan and Iran, and even into parts of uh, current-day Pakistan and India. It's a huge swath of land, and he is king over this empire. <clears throat> the story of Esther is one that includes political intrigue, violence, Sexual overtones, gender power plays, it's the best soap opera you've ever heard. But there are problems with this story. And scholars recognized this early on. The biggest problem is God never is mentioned in this story. The entire book of Esther, God is absent. Well, let's recap the story. I'll try to do it as quickly as possible. Chapter 1, the story opens up with a six-month party where King Xerxes shows off all the treasures of his empire, all of his vast wealth, the wealth that his predecessor had plundered. The wealth very likely, as I mentioned before, the riches that were in the temple in Jerusalem. At the end of this six-month party, the king holds a banquet that lasts for seven days. On the final day of the banquet, when the king and everyone in attendance is sufficiently drunk, the king orders that his queen, Queen Vasti, uh, comes to the banquet wearing her crown to display her beauty for everyone around. But the, king, the queen refuses, and some scholars see this refusal of hers as a refusal to be paraded as a trophy. There are even some Jewish interpreters who argue that she was ordered to show up wearing only her crown. Whatever the case, she refused to comply. The king, not accustomed to having his whims refused, flies into a rage and has a temper tantrum. 
After a bit, he calms down and gathers his advisors around him to discuss what can be done about this untenable situation. Oddly, his advisors are concerned about their own households. They're afraid that their wives will become aware of Queen Ashley's refusal to obey the king's demands and might see this as a precedent that will result in household anarchy throughout the empire. Welcome to the 21st century. So they propose a simple solution. They suggest that the king make a law that Queen Vashti must never again be allowed to enter his presence and that her position be given to someone else. That way, by law, the women will have to respect their husbands. So the king thinks this is a great idea, and so it's implemented in all parts of the empire. Chapter 2. The king needs a new queen. But he's not looking for someone to co-rule with him. He's not looking for someone who is bright and intelligent. He's looking for another trophy. And so he holds a beauty contest throughout all 127 provinces in the empire. In the capital city, there lives a very beautiful Jewish woman named Hadassah. That's her Hebrew name. The Persian name is Esther. She's an orphan. Parents have died and she's been raised by her uncle Mordecai. Mordecai is one of the Jewish leaders in exile. Hadassah, or Esther, is taken to the palace along with all the other beauty princes. Be given a full year of beauty treatment before she can be presented. Before she leaves, her uncle Mordecai warns her not to reveal her ethnic identity or her relationship. This is an important point. The Jewish name is Hadassah, means dark. The Persian name is related to a Hebrew word that means to hide. Going to hide her identity. And while her relationship with Mordecai remains hidden, he has enough freedom in the palace to stay in touch with her. See how she's doing. Eventually, Esther emerges as a front runner. She's taken before the king. He likes what he sees and makes her his queen. The story continues, and we find Mordecai sitting at the king's gate. From this, we know not just where he is, but that he is an important official. Only officials in the king's administration were permitted to sit at the gate. But one day, Mordecai overhears two of the other officials plotting an assassination. Mordecai gets word to Esther. She informs the king. And after the investigation, these two then directs Chapter 3. A new character shows up in this chapter. Heman. Scholars tell us is an Amalek. That's important because the Jews, as the Israelites and the Amalekites, don't have a good history. It started back when Israel left Egypt and was trying to make their way up to Canaan. They encountered the Amalekites and it was not a pleasant thing. Well, the king elevates Haman to a position above all of the others in the administration. Basically, he makes Haman his prime minister. And he orders everyone to show respect to him by bowing down and kneeling every time Haman walks by. Mordecai, probably because of their history, refuses. Which only infuriates him. But he learns that Mordecai is a Jew, 
he decides he's going to figure out a way to kill not only Mordecai, but all of the Jewish people. So Haman goes to the king, tells him the stories of half-truths and out-and-out lies about the king, says they have their own customs, they keep it themselves, and they do not obey the laws. Really, not in his best interest in his empire. For the king, being the self-absorbed tyrant that he is, thinks this is a great idea as well. So he makes a law that uh, will exterminate the Jews. He asks um, Haman to, to carry it out. This edict says that on the 13th day of the month, of the 12th month, all the Jews, young and old, women and children, may be killed and all their property confiscated and plundered by anyone who do so. Before, Mordecai, like everyone else, hears about this new law and immediately goes into mourning. Sackcloth, it's in Ashley, goes around the city mourning and wailing. He's in such a state that he is prohibited entering into the king's presence. He's got to dress up because he's the king. Mordecai is not dressed up. Well, Esther finds out that he's in this kind of state, and so she sends him some clothing that he refuses to wear. Then she goes back and asks somebody to find out what his problem is. Mordecai relays the reason for his distress, and he asks Esther to go to the king and plead for mercy for herself and for her people. There we get to today's text. Esther reminds Mordecai that the king has a law. Anyone who approaches the king without first being summoned is to be put to death. Unless he extends his golden scepter and allows him to live. He's gone to say that the king has a call to Mordecai responds. I want to read this part to you. Esther 4, 12 through 14. When Esther's words were reported to Mordecai, he sent back this answer. Do not think that because you are in the king's house, you alone of all the Jews will escape. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. You and your father's family will perish. Who knows? But that you have come to your royal position at such a time as this. Esther then orders all the Jews of the city to ask for her for three days, promises to take her champion to approach the king at the end of the three days. But Esther approaches the king, pleased to see her, extends the scepter, She tells him she would like to throw a banquet for him and for Haman tomorrow night, and that she will tell him what he wants at that Next evenings, while they're eating, the king asks her, what is your request? Do you want? Well, she says, I'll tell you tomorrow. Let's have another dinner, another banquet. You, me, and me. Haman leaves this first party absolutely stoked. He was the only one in all the kingdom, of all the nobles and administrators, only one had to sit at dinner in the presence of the king and the queen. As he leaves the party, he sees Mordecai. Once again, Haman is filled with rage and anger. He wants to kill Mordecai. But he restrains himself. When he gets home, he gathers all of his family and friends around to boast about his wealth, boast about his position, boast about how he was the only one at the end of the day. Then he says, all of that is nothing. 
on the guy have to see pain every day using the tape on Oh, his wife and friends suggest he make a long and painful. The word is a little difficult to translate. But he'll, they suggest he make this poll by the way, Words are all And they suggest that he go to the king in the morning and ask permission to impale Mordecai on. Then he can go to the banquet and enjoy himself. Well, Haman thinks that's a good idea, so he sets up the pole. Six. That night, the king is having a little trouble sleeping. So he orders that the chronicles of his activities as a king be brought to him and read. Well, his attendant reads the part where Mordecai exposes the plot to kill the king. wants to know, what have we done to honor this He learns there's nothing because of it. So in the morning, Haman arrives, asks the king for permission to execute Mordecai, but before he can get his request out, the king asks Haman what he thinks should be done for the man the king will Haman naturally thinks this is about himself. So he says, oh, you're mad. You should put the finest robes on this. Robes to do yourself once more. You should have this man seated on one of the king's horses. Of course, you yourself. You put a crest, a royal crest, on the horse's head. And then have another nobleman lead this horse through the city. Announcing to everyone how much the king honors the person sitting on the horse. That is a fabulous idea. I want you to set that up for more. Haman is grief stricken at this. This, this reversal of his fortunes, and he goes home to tell his family and friends everything that's happened. His family, his friends, all of his advisors agree. Things have turned out bad. He will not prevail to go up against it. Meanwhile, the king's messengers have arrived to escort Haman to the bank. Seven is the next part of today's text. Once again, he asks Esther what she wants. He replies, if it please the king, please grant me my life and the lives of all my people. If it had been sold to slaves, I wouldn't have said anything, but I and my people have the best King wants to know who this evil man is. Comes to Haman, he's in the room. Haman is justifiably terrified, and the king, enraged again, goes out to the garden. Haman stays behind to beg for mercy from Esther. The king returns from the garden just in time to see Haman falling on the couch where Esther is climbing. He misinterprets the situation, thinking Haman is trying to molest with him, puts a bag over his head and has him removed. Haman. One of the king's attendants reminds the king of the pole that Haman had set up for Mordecai. Guess not wanting a perfectly good impaling pole to go to waste, has Haman impaled on his own pole. And the king feels Nothing like a good impaling to satisfy the rage of a, of a monarch, I suppose. Chapter 8. Esther tells the king of her relationship with Mordecai, 
once again Esther begs for her life and for the life of the people. But the original law had been written in such a way that the king was not permitted to revoke it. It does give her permission to meet her royal advisors without a way to save her people. He does, and the Jews are given permission to defend themselves. <clears throat> Chapter 9, the day comes when the Jews are attacked. They defend themselves so well they win a stunning victory, so much so that many of the people of the land become Jews. They convert to Judaism. Esther and Mordecai declare a feast, celebrate this victory, and the feast of Jerome is established. The feast is celebrated to this day. And the purpose of the feast is to eat, drink, and much delight, and care for the people. So, so that's the story. Here's a question I want us to wrestle with this morning. What can we learn from the scripture that the presence of God is so notably absent that our primary character being When we gather in this room on a Sunday morning, we talk about God. The psalmist says, we enter his courts with thanksgiving in our hearts. We lift our voices in praise and adoration as we can. We invite his presence in our prayer. We acknowledge his ownership of everything. Offer back to him his time. And we worship him by listening to him. But outside these walls, we live in a very secular world. The things of God are becoming less important. We find ourselves in situations where our faith is not taken for granted. We're not sure just how to respond to this, this increasing secularism in history. How did it happen? How did it happen that a religion that claims to have love and care for everyone so often labeled as a religion whose adherents are intolerant and sometimes Perhaps it's the way in which we, some evangelical Christians, have responded to the world. Responded to the rapid change of the world. Perhaps instead of responding in ways of love and care for the other, we've responded in a couple of damaging one way that some evangelical Christians, Christians have responded to the deterioration of our society is they've hoisted themselves into little angels. A long time Bethany, Oklahoma, was in the Later, many Christians, many evangelicals, centered in Colorado Springs. They were finding out that Nymph Idaho was in Bethany. 
It's a place where we can gather together among people that think like us and then just grumble about the way we Another way that some evangelicals have responded to this is to shout Tell them how they want. I see these people sometimes in the over and their message is not one of love, but one of condemnation. Is, where is God in He needs to be hidden. He seems to be absent from everything around us is falling. What's the fact that he God is a kind of hidden as we think here? Perhaps God was more actively at work when Esther was placed in the past. Against her will, probably. He was held captive. Also, now it was luxurious activity. She did not have to move about. Perhaps God was Perhaps God was active when Mordecai overheard the plot to assassinate. Perhaps God was active when Esther knowing that you could be Perhaps God was active when Haman left that first bank, checked himself, and didn't kill him with a time. Perhaps we see the providential activity of God working his way all through this world, seemingly cloudy. Help and ask the question, but what can we learn? How does this apply to us? I would suggest that Queen Esther offers us a what it means to be a faithful Vicky and I have been married to each other for 30 years. And we've been in a number of churches. Shortly after we were married, we lived in San Diego. And I remember two little boys running wild. Two brothers. Today, the older brother is the chair of integration. And he's a professor of clinical psychology at Fuller Theological School. Younger brother, the main minister. Earned a PhD in teaching the Old Testament law of each university. A couple of little books. 
one of my favorite, I recommend this book. One of my favorites is, uh, I is My Preacher. The subtitle is An Honest Look. It's a good little book. It's not heavy, and I, I recommend it. But Brent is helping men and women find God in new ways in the Brent has figured out how to be a faithful in the world. Pasadena, I remember a teenager who played high school football. Graduated and went on to Oregon State University. He was unknown. Nobody recruited him. He walked in the field one day and said, I'd like to play football. So they gave him a tryout and said, great. Skills as a quarterback, but we already have one, so he spent the first half of his freshman year sitting on the bench. At one point in the game, he was substituted, or actually, after he was here, he was substituted in the game and played drugs. I remember the television commentators at the time asking, Who is this guy? Why don't we know about him? All well, his career blossomed in college. His senior year, he led his team to the 11 Yes, the ball that year. Well, that was named MVP. That's how scouts were all over it. Was coming in, took a few weeks off to get his head together. In the end, decided he'd rather maintain his 15 days and honor the sacrifice. Many coaches will say they've never seen anyone so emotionally Also in Pasadena, we became friends with a very gifted musician. He could write, he composed, and conduct a special music. His list of movie and TV credits nearly ended. Most recently, he worked on rearranging the score from Titanic, which was played by the Los Angeles Philharmonic Orchestra. Traveled all over the world. Larry, a child of missionary figures, has maintained a strong devotion to Christ. But so often denies the power and the presence 
decided it was time for a new start. I had been on and on off again. I didn't know that two years before we got up here, six months after we I was going to leave. I spent the next two years with all kinds of projects working. with a lot of soldiers. He was attending Dr. Bob Sunday School class in the very young Dr. Bob. Taking that course of study, the same course of study that took me to the university, 
and I have enjoyed the learning process. But as I look back on all of it, as I look and find myself in the what is that? This is not something I want. I didn't see God is going to come. Fulfilling. People begin to play. To be a faithful. I'm willing to go through the very painful process. And if God could be shaped, I'm willing to do it. So, I, you know, I hate to give you your face, but what am I doing? What is God leaving you? How is God thinking? And how are you responding to the world in which you If not for yourself, then for perhaps someone you know, a young person, finding their way in the world, trying to figure out who they are and what they're all about, where they stand, whether they're in I'd like us to close with that very thing. Lord, I'm going to come and pray. Lord, announce it better.